Thanks for listening to the Secular Hubcast, a podcast made possible through a grant from the American Humanist Association. This show is a project of the Secular Hub, a Denver nonprofit organization dedicated to promoting community, altruism, reason, and education across the diverse secular community of the Front Range region. For more information and to become a member, visit secularhub.org. Hello and welcome to the Secular Hubcast. I'm your host, Paul Schilling. Please excuse my voice in the introduction here and in the outro that I'm going to do after the recorded podcast. I was at the Avalanche game tonight and Thursday night and I had a way too much fun and so now I can't talk. Poor you. Very sorry to say that. I'm sure you're very sorry to hear that I can't talk. In this episode, we are talking with a theist, somebody who claims he's going to take down science, and we get into some deep, deep conversations here. We get kind of thick into the woods. We did one recording. It was two and a half hours. I'm going to break it up into two separate podcasts, so you'll get one this week, you'll get one next week, and I hope this is the first of many discussions that he and I have. But without further ado, please welcome Nathan Spears. I'm here with a very special guest, a friend of mine, Nathan Spears. I, I didn't want to introduce you specifically in any sort of way other than just saying your name. So how would you introduce yourself as, as it pertains to this conversation? Mm, I am, well, I was recently chrismated into the Orthodox Church, which is uh, an old form of Christianity. Mm-hmm. And so I consider myself a Christian. I think I would say that I consider myself a Christian foremost in that mm-hmm. the Christian framework shapes my worldview. And then um, after that, I would say say that I am here as someone who has lost and then regained an appreciation of religious ways of seeing the world and understanding the world Mm -hmm. and being in the world. And as such, having gone from fundamentalist Christianity to a very rational perspective and then back to a more religious perspective, I feel like I have a lot of sympathy for, not not sympathy as if it needs sympathy, but I have a lot of insight into the rationalist perspective and why many religious people have been so bad at communicating into that. So that's why I'm here to hopefully um, uh, at least give my perspective on, on that path that I took and, mm-hmm. um, and to hear from you maybe what I've missed along the way. Sure. And... Just for our listeners, I think the the reason why we wanted to have this conversation, and we just talked about it in in our little pre-session, but uh, is to see if there is some higher ground that we can reach and some understanding that we can have. So if there's some truth in Nathan's position, I want to take it on board and and take it on as true in my own worldview. And I'm hoping he'll give me the same courtesy. And I'm hoping that if there's a way for us to meld our two worldviews together, because I'm coming from a secular uh, perspective, I'm coming from, uh, he's calling it, you're calling it rationalism. I'm not necessarily a rationalist in the strict sense of the word as far as philosophy is concerned. but I'm definitely coming from a scientific worldview, and um, I'm trying to see if there's a way to meld these two together and kind of and kind of take on board 
mentally so that I can evolve my thinking as a person. And mm. then hopefully you can too, or maybe not or whatever. But I think the, the conversation, the, the laying out of these ideas and the going through them, the, the act of doing that and, and working through them together uh, is, is worthwhile and very worthwhile. And I hope that our listeners uh, appreciate what we go, where we go with this and, and how it works out. So one of the things that I wanted to say, first of all, you're using the word rationalism, and I just wanted to define it as the dictionary defines it, and then I wanted to ask you kind of what you think it is, or okay. if, if there's a difference, I guess. So uh, rationalism, according to the dictionary, is a belief or theory that opinions and actions should be based on reason and knowledge rather than on religious belief or emotional response. Now, there's actually, a, a, in philosophy, there's sort of... It, philosophy has a slightly different meaning, and there's a whole rationalist position in philosophy, and that is the theory that reason rather than experience is the foundation of certainty in knowledge. Mm. And that's where I part ways with rationalism. So I don't believe that pure reason, apart from experience or apart from evidence, is really the key mm. there. It, it depends on how you define experience, but I think experientially is how we get evidence, and I think it, that's where I part with rationalism. Mm. I'm not a pure reason guy. Um, I'm more on the other side, the critique of pure reason. Sure. And I want to I wanna get into the nitty-gritty evidence of things. Okay. Um, but, but I just wanted to lay that out there. Is that what you're suggesting rationalism is, or is that what your understanding of it is? What? Y yes, absolutely. Um, so I think you mentioned the phrase methodological naturalism, which is sort of... A, yeah, that's, that's the, where I... Yeah. It encapsulates that we need to we need to use reason and we want to found it it has to be connected to reality in some way right right yeah i'm going to construct logical syllogisms and they need to be sound and valid and for that to happen nash um uh yeah i need to use some rationalism but i also have to use some skepticism and methodological naturalism so one of the things that i and we can get into i think you're going to read a quote from one of my emails we'll get into that but before i yeah. say that one of the things that i um believe that I see happening with a lot of people who call themselves, uh, who would insist that they like to use evidence for everything, mm -hmm. is that they actually slide back and forth between a methodological naturalism and a sort of groundless rationalism where they have, they, they sort of miss the point at which they get away from the evidence and, um, and begin begin using logical constructions, logical being like consistent, right? But not connected to any evidence. Mm, sure. That makes sense. So I feel like that's a pretty common pattern among the, I don't know, like, I don't want to use a derogatory term for this because, um, like the scientifically minded. Yes, that's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No. And, and I see, I, I see that too sometimes. I mean, okay. I think that's a very human thing to do is to mm -hmm. add on, extra information that can't be derived from the evidence. And, you know, that's why Occam's razor is so useful, right? I mean, if you're applying that uh, idea and, and that methodology to your thinking, you, you're hopefully able to recognize the additional bits that you added on that don't belong there mm. and then just slice them away. Um, but, okay, so one of the things... Uh, I wanted to touch on. So we've been emailing back and forth, uh, trying to coordinate this for one, and then also trying to discuss uh, sort of our positions, but yeah. also kind of what we want to get across and, and some of the things that we want to achieve. And 
I mentioned this before, but just so our listeners hear it, um, I'm really hoping that this is the first of a series of conversations where we cover an array of topics or potentially where we pick up where we left off because we get sick of talk, you know, mm. tired or yeah. have other you know, schedule constraints or something like that. It is um, mentally taxing to communicate across frameworks, because you, especially when you're actually trying to connect and not just yeah. talking down or talking into the void or whatever. Like, right, yeah. If you're not trying to talk past somebody and just get your, you know, do a gish gallop or whatever, and you're actually trying to engage, yeah, it can be taxed. Right. Um, but I wanted to read this little excerpt. So there was a, you sent me an email, and it was basically, I was, I was asking you, what would you like to talk about, and mm. how would you like to discuss it? And I'm just going to quote you here. So, um, and you're welcome to change this if anything's changed, but you said basically this, uh, and quote, my approach will be to flat out deny that science, reason, and evidence are tools capable of describing all of reality. Instead, they are useful for telling a story about aspects of reality, namely the aspects they are looking for. Uh, and you say the causal, the physical, the repeatable, the reducible, the isolatable. I think that I can demonstrate this reasonably without recourse to religious arguments. You have arguments and quotes there. But I cannot demonstrate it with the kind of evidence that would satisfy you by strict rationalist requirements. To me, that does sound like quite a feat. And, and it, it intrigues me to hear where we're going to go with this and how we're going to get there. And that's really why I wanted to have this conversation with you. I also wanted, as I said before, to take on board whatever whatever nuggets of reality and truth are, are within this conversation and your approach. Because I do want there to be... Um, I do want there to be validity to your argument. I, I just don't know how we're going to get there yet. I, mm. I just don't fully understand. Um, you go on to say, however, I will also try to demonstrate that you cannot justify a rationalist position by strict rationalist requirements either. Instead, I'll argue that you have to assume a priori that a, rela- that a rationalist position is inherently the best position, end quote. <clears throat> Why don't we just dive into that? Or, okay. or if you have anything else you'd like to add before we do. The only thing I would add is that I've listened to and and met a lot of people who have made a similar journey that I've made. And I think that the path that each one of them finds to um, to this type of experience that, that I'm going to talk about uh, of finding your way out of um, seeing reason and evidence as being descriptors for all of reality is often different. There's I think there's many ways to see it. But um, some of them are more experiential and mystical than others. And what I've tried to focus on is how can I communicate with a, let's say, a logical, it's not even a logical argument. It's more like a, a logical analysis of the tool set that, that is science and evidence in such a way that might be more useful for someone who has a scientific mindset to begin to see that that sort of door. Okay. So I'll, I'll, I'll sort of put that down. Um, and I've thought a lot about this because, well, it's crucial, right? I think uh, that the, the gap between science and faith, like, we need to talk about this science thing. Like, people get uncomfortable mm-hmm. because they just don't know how to deal with the question. They can see that there's a conflict between faith and science or between religious ways of being and scientific ways of being, however you want to say that, and they don't know what to do about it. They know that science is responsible for an incredible amount of of good things in the world, but they also can sense the threat that it is to religious ways of thinking and being. And 
they don't know how to reconcile it and they don't they don't want to think about it too hard but i think it's the crucial question of our age like what and you know i could be completely wrong right i fully admit that i don't think that i have some higher truth that you don't have access to but i think that this is where our society is sort of teetering yeah is and not just ours but other other societies in the world mm, and as those societies are increasingly exposed to um industrialization and the western mindset they're going to come in in contact more and more with like this is what uh this is one sort of religious instructions that i've been handed and then in school i'm you know potentially learning uh a, a completely different story yeah and so how do we reconcile those things is it possible to reconcile those things i think it's the most interesting question of our times yeah i agree and in a lot of ways i think it's a 400 year old question right since since the invent of science Yes, since the birth of what we would think of as modern science with the full, like the full methodological naturalism, you know, a lot of those guys were Christians or at least deists, but they've, they've started down this path, which 400 years later now, it's completely unnecessary for a scientist to have any religious position in order to do their job, right? Yeah, well, I think, yeah, I I think that's a good way to put it. I think a lot of scientists and scientifically minded people recognize the the superfluousness of of religion and the religious thought. God isn't needed anymore because Mm. we have a theory of gravity and we have a theory of relativity and Mm. we have, you know, we have all these other theories. We have chemical theories, we have uh, biological theories. We don't need to say that, and I thought this was a a very uh, reasonable position to take pre-Darwin. We we couldn't really account for how we got here, so we, we thought, well, maybe we were created. There seems to be some kind of design. Mm. Um, and then Darwin came and just blew that out of the water. I mean, showed us, demonstrated to us that we evolved. And so that, to me, was kind of the last... I mean, I think humanity and humans itself was the, the, is still, in some sense, the focal point of religion. Mm. And I mean that in the sense that they like to heighten the the importance of humanity above all others, um, uh, and they do that because we're quote unquote cr- you know created in God's image. Uh, but when we can demonstrate that if that's true, then God is essentially an ape. Mm. Then how are we? You know what I mean? Where does where does that advantage come from? That yeah. I mean, we are apes. Uh, we we're a lot of things, but one of the things that we are, we're also primates. Uh, we're also old world monkeys. We're also chordates. We're also, you know, we're, we're also a, fish. We're, right? Well, yeah. I mean, in some sense, yeah. The, there's when you get into cladistics, it gets very, very particular. But um, it seems it, it seems to just sort of vanish this idea that God created us in His own image. And so, I think it's it's that that's sort of the pull, right? And it just continues to be battered by the scientific method year after year after year as we discover more about what we are, who we are, where we came from, and ultimately what our purpose is, if, mm. if there is such a... So not only... I don't know if you had a chance to read uh, that epilogue of The Passion of the Western Mind, but he brings up that in the 20th century we added another layer. So if there was this threefold sort of uh, dismantling of the previous mindset, which Western civilization had sort of run on through Copernicus, 
um, Darwin and then Freud, where Copernicus shows we're not the center of the universe. Darwin shows we're not the crown of even earthly creation. And then Freud shows that we're not even the master of our own house. Um, we're not like, like our ego is not even in control of what's going on in our own bodies, right? And so that was a real, those were a, a three shattering blows to, to the Western psyche, and we're still trying to recover. So with that as an introduction, I think I could go into um, trying to explain what I was saying in those quotes you read earlier. Yeah, why don't we get into, because we, I think we've, we've sort of danced a little bit, and we've yeah. kind of talked a little bit, and yeah. we've, we've already found some common ground, and it seems like we're, we're getting somewhere in our argument, or at least in our, I keep saying argument, I mean discussion. <laughs> this is a discussion. It's an amiable, friendly discussion. Mm. Um, but let's get into it. So you want to flat out deny that science, reason, and evidence are tools capable of describing all of reality. Can you start off there? Can yep. you can you give us yes. some starting point? So I think the the most the clearest way to see this is that science is is trying to describe reality, right? I would say that's one of its goals. Like it has many different techniques and many different branches of science, but ultimately we're trying to find some sort of evidence or data from reality mm -hmm. and then use a theory, a hypothesis, a model to um, describe that data in such a way that future data falls into our prediction, right? Then we can validate or invalidate the hypothesis. The, the next step that I would want to take from there is to say that I'm going to describe science as a tool. Mm -hmm. It's a tool which humans use. Yeah? Mm -hmm. And if this tool is aiming to describe all of reality, then what it needs to be able to do eventually, maybe it can't start out here, but eventually it needs to be able to describe the hand that is wielding the tool. And we got into this a little bit in our emails. So we talked about um, consciousness and the nature of consciousness, um, which I won't gesture to as some sort of proof of anything. I'll just say that Humans are the thing which is using science, right? right? Science is not doing itself. No, yeah. Carbon atoms are not doing science. Fish are not doing science. Monkeys are not doing science. Humans are doing science. Right. And, and so what, what I want to gesture to is that the thing which is trying to figure out the universe, the thing which is able to create and comprehend patterns which were incomprehensible before is this element of humanity. We can call it consciousness, we can call it the soul, we could call it intelligence. I, I wouldn't draw a direct connection between the Christian idea of the soul and intelligence, but there's something there which is finding patterns where there were none before. And um, when science is, in my opinion, science is and I know science is investigating these things, right? They're investigating the nature of consciousness, the nature of cognition. Yeah. But we don't have an explanation for that yet. And what I think, I think there's two, two problems with this. One is that um, we talk about science as if it's capable of describing all of reality, but we don't like by definition with science because of the nature of empirical evidence we can't point science at the interiority of experience and the interiority of experience is where science is actually happening it's where hypotheses are generated it's where new patterns of connection between data arise in some sense like i know arise is kind of a goofy word recognized, there but recognized you mean 
because the patterns in data are out there, right? They're, the strawberry seeds, as they swirl around the strawberry, are, is a pattern that we see in all of nature. Mm. But recognizing that pattern mm. occurs in the mind. Is mm. that what you're suggesting? Because the patterns aren't in our mind. The patterns are a recognition. We recognize these patterns as mm. we study more and more of the world or, or you know, of the universe. I think that's a fair beginning to that conversation, but I don't want to jump down that rabbit hole just yet. So to say recognize is, that's a tricky word because I recognize your face. I've seen you before, but to recognize a pattern in nature is to say, what exactly? You haven't seen the pattern before, but now you see it. That's not a recognition of the same kind, right? Well, maybe. We can, we can move on from okay. that and maybe right. get into it in a little All bit. Right. But yeah, I think... Um, the first, the first thing I would say initially is, as you said, so science is, is trying to describe reality. And one of the things that it can't describe is consciousness. And this is a problem. Um, now, I have, a, I have a position on consciousness, um, but I, I'm curious, how is this not a god of the gaps? Mm. We have a gap in understanding plug in a supernatural or a mystical or some other you're calling it religious thought or religious mindset or you say religious thinking um why is that of acceptable i mean uh, as far as like getting to the answer when it, when yeah. has that ever worked in the past sure. and, and is it not just another gap no that's a fair question um so let me i mean i want to answer your question yeah please but i want to also finish laying out the sort of two point go ahead uh, uh, thing about reason and evidence. Okay. Um, the uh, the second step from there is to say that sort of based on what we were just talking about about these three blows to the uh, to the previous cosmos and worldview of Western civilization, um, what science did or what science has done basically is to take the Christian worldview and supplement little transplants in each of those three places and call that the scientific worldview. So I don't think that science has created a worldview. It just took the Christian one, which was there before and made a few modifications to it and is basically asking all of the same questions and just giving different answers. So I don't think that science has done the work of creating a worldview. And I I don't know if you have this in front of you, but I uh, sent out what I think is a pretty great definition of a worldview by a cognitive scientist named John Verveke, uh, which is basically that a worldview is a, uh, a picture or a model of the world and of an agent in that world such that the agent's actions make sense. Something like that. Sure. So uh, those would be, my two critiques of um, can you you were you were talking about okay so um, do you have any example because what, what you were okay so if, if I were to think of an example just off the top of my head okay where you're saying science has borrowed from Christianity and plugged in a few different I guess variables right. to play off of um, so in Christianity uh, everything began with the voice of God bringing into existence initially the heavens and the earth mm. And what science says is that we've had what we're calling a Big Bang, which was a grand expansion of time, space, and matter. Mm. Not the heavens and the earth. The earth came many, many billions of years later. Light was not the second thing to be, quote-unquote, created. Um, so it, it, dis- it demonstrates that the view, or the worldview, that 
religion gave us initially is incorrect. Now, it had some of the elements, right? Light. It has some of the same words. We do have a science of light. We do understand light. Um, but the, the, the order was all wrong and the time frame and all that. There was no calculus in the, in the Bible or, or in, the, in the religious stories. Pick any of them. Um, is, is that what you're yes, suggesting? Exactly. Or what are you suggesting based on that? Because that, to me, sounds like science gave us an updated version. I would say religious, or religious thought or religious books or our religious history was some of our early attempts to describe what the universe is and our place in it. Mm. They just had a lacking issue of no scientific evidence. And mm. now that we have the evidence, we have a more accurate story. Is mm. that... So what I would say is that in the Judeo-Christian worldview, we would say that um, we have an account of the world. I'm going to zoom back a little bit, and I, I completely understand your criticisms of the specifics of the creation story, but I want to zoom back a little bit just to say that what we have is an account of the world and that God made it. And then we have an account of what the basic problems are, like what is the frame for, um, for how to understand who we are. So we start with this, this idea of the fall and, um, and then, you know, the sort of the adventures of Israel as it becomes, uh, to be a nation and the, the trials and tribulations of Israel. And then, uh, Jesus comes in and for Christians, of course, and um, presents various solutions to the problem, tells us uh, like this is where we were headed. This is uh, this is the goal of what humankind is. And uh, this is what kind of people we are. And this is how we should live. And um, I think that science hasn't fundamentally altered any of that framing. It's just replaced pieces of it. So it's replaced um, details about the creation story. It's replaced details about how we came to be and what we therefore are. And um, there's been an attempt to replace the details of how we should live. Um, and I think we'll talk more about you know morality and that sort of thing. Yeah, as we I'd get love into to, that. Yeah, I'd love to talk about that. Um, so that's that's sort of my general answer to that is that science hasn't questioned any of the 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 basic nature of that framing it hasn't said like we should be asking some other question the the question of how we came to be is it hasn't told another story it's told almost the exact same story just with the details modified in such a way that it shows that um, the religious answers were wrong but in the way that it's directly opposed to the religious story shows just how tightly it's bound to the religious story that was there already. So you're saying just because it's answering the same question, where did we come from, or how how did all of the universe happen, that it somehow invalidates science in no. relation to religion? No, what I'm saying is that what that shows is that science hasn't built a worldview from the ground up. It hasn't answered those questions of like... Does it need to, to be to disqualify religion or to be more correct? I think that... If all that science offers in a worldview is an invalidation of religion, then that is doubly not useful because it takes away a mode for people to be in the world and doesn't offer a replacement. Okay. Does that make sense? 
Kind of. I don't know mm. what your gripe is on science in this in this context. Though. It's you're not a say, gripe. You're saying though that you want to tell us why science or deny that science, reason, and evidence are tools capable of describing all of reality. And your initial con- your initial problem with science is that it's borrowing from religion. And the reason why it's borrowing from religion, or the example that you give, is that it looks to answer a lot of the same questions, like where did we come from, and where did the universe come from, mm. and how did that, what process was that, what, what, how, basically answer the how, right? How did this happen? Mm. How did reality happen? What can we get from reality? What can we say definitively about reality? Mm. And then your other problem with it is that it doesn't have a very it, its own worldview. It's it because it's asking the same questions. It's for some reason not as valid or not as useful. I, I don't understand that part exactly. Um, but then also it doesn't tell us how we ought to live. Mm. And I would push back on all three of those. But I'm curious, why does that? How does that deny that reason and evidence are tools capable of describing all of reality? Mm. What's what's being missed there? Okay. So let's go back to the God of the gaps. I just wanted to get both of those out as sort of the framing of, of what I'd like to present as a position. Um, so let's go back to the criticism about the God of the gaps. Okay. I think what you're suggesting is that because we don't know how consciousness works yet, I'm saying something like God is hiding in in that consciousness somewhere. And when we do use science to figure out what consciousness is, then I will be sort of retreating backward and backward into, well, we don't know this, we don't know that yet. That's the God of the gaps criticism, right? Yeah. Well, anytime somebody brings up, well, science doesn't fully understand this yet, therefore there's some validity to my religious worldview, I immediately jump to the God Mm. of the gaps. Why is there any validity to your worldview just because science doesn't know? Perfect. Aren't we able to just say we don't know? Right. Why why do we need to plug in something that we also don't know? Now, I want to say at this point that what my path to a religious mindset is, is not, there's a problem in this mindset, therefore this mindset. That's not a useful um, jump to make, right? Like, yeah, just because my, my just because my worldview might be wrong doesn't mean yours is automatically right. Absolutely. Yours has to stand or, or fall on its own merit. So that's perfect. That's, that's exactly the position. So I don't think that's useful. And that's not actually the path that I took in my own life. The path that I took in my own life was that when I had begun to sort of root out the Christianity of my youth and to try to replace it with more rational ways of being and seeing the world, uh, more reasonable, evidence-based, right? Um, The more that I stripped away, the more trouble I was having... um, sort of replacing things which I, let's say, wanted to be true um, with rational or reasonable or evidence-based suppositions. And so I didn't, uh, it wasn't that I was trying to choose between two worldviews. I was inside of a rational perspective, looking at a rational perspective with the rational tools that I have, right? Mm -hmm. My tools are evidence and reason. So my point of that science can't explain what consciousness is, is not not a justification for a leap to another worldview. It's just pulling out these bricks in 
I, I wouldn't even say that there's like a, there's nobody out there going science can explain what consciousness is, right? Or if they are, then they're mostly getting ignored because. Um, yeah, I mean, I've heard people. That, I've heard people say things like, "If we know one thing, we know consciousness exists." But mm. I don't know. They've never supported that with anything. Mm. And I'm speaking specifically of like Sam Harris and some of the neuroscientists that are out there saying consciousness definitely exists. We just don't know what it is or how to describe it. To me, that's exactly the same as saying we don't know if consciousness exists, but we seem to think it does. Yes. It's essentially where free will was before the studies that showed that your brain makes up your mind before you're aware of it. That's right. Say that again one more time. Consciousness right now is in the same position free will was before we came to the understanding through research that you make up your mind before you're consciously mm. aware of it. So that you don't have free will in the sense that we were thinking. What we can say for sure about free will is that we don't know if we have it. We don't know if it exists. Okay. If it does, we haven't found it yet, and we cannot assume that we have it. Mm. And we have a very good case that we don't have it. But I would say consciousness is in, in the same position before that research. We think we have it. It seems like we have it, but we can't point to it, and we haven't found any falsification for it yet. Mm. So we don't have a... a we don't have a test that we can perform that shows us that we don't have it right. like we do for free will. Okay. We do have a test now that shows us that we don't have free will in the, in the way that we thought we did. In order to assert that we don't have free will, you have to trust science's findings over your own uh, internal perspective and interiority of how you experience life. Because the way that you experience life, you're exercising free will all the time. You're making decisions all the time. Well, it depends. I mean, you'd have to define free will into existence mm. in that way. Mm. You would have to say that free will is just being able to make decisions. But we'd have to parse that out. What mm. is this? Is this how you want to demonstrate that that we're not going to be able to use science, reason, and evidence for describing all of reality? Or is this because I still want to make sure we cover that? Like, yep. If, you're, if your position is, is that, as you said, you'll flat out deny that science, reason, and evidence are tools capable of describing all of reality, and you can demonstrate this reasonably without recourse to religious arguments, I'm wondering, and, and so far you've said, and I'm just trying to cover this ground so that I, I make sure I understand what you're saying. So right. far you've said we don't have a real understanding of consciousness, and that somehow demonstrates that science, reason, and evidence are not capable of describing all of reality? Is that what you're saying? That is... That is the basic point that I want to make, yes. <clears throat> Consciousness is doing science. So assuming that we have like a broad enough definition of consciousness that we can sort of – I'm gesturing at something, and I see your point that we haven't even really defined what it is or understood what it is yet, right? And we, well, might... we don't really know what consciousness is. So and we... that, that, does, that does speak to your point. Science, reason, and evidence so far are not capable of describing consciousness. That's right. The reason that consciousness presents such a much bigger problem for me is because if consciousness is – something more than um, a, a chain of physical events, then the fact that it's the thing which is more than a chain of physical events, which is using the scientific method to analyze patterns and physical events in the universe, that's incredibly important. And the fact that science has not been able to generate any theory 
of what could be doing itself is a huge gap for me. It's like the most important gap. It's like somebody holding a flashlight and saying, I can see everything, but they haven't been able to point the flashlight at themselves. So, so they're not including themselves in their definition of reality. So, okay, so let me just see if I understand. So what you're saying is essentially that because we don't understand what consciousness is, and consciousness is the thing that's doing science, we shouldn't trust science because it's not taking into account that which is doing science. It's not that we shouldn't trust it. It's that we should understand that the patterns that it's finding in reality are so far a subset of reality. And that subset is whatever we're pointing this flashlight of science at. Sure. But if we can turn the flashlight around and point it at ourselves, then we would be able to say we understand the thing which is doing science and all of the things which science uh, is telling us about the physical world. So it's not that we can't trust science. I mean, I love science. I'm a computer scientist. I love science. Um, I think it's amazing, and I love staying up on um, on the latest findings and so forth from a layperson's perspective, um, particularly with regard to cognitive science, because I think that's so interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not that I think that the that what science is telling us is flawed. It's that I think that it's incomplete. I think that it doesn't describe all of reality. You see what I'm getting at there? I No, I understand what you're saying. I would not, I would agree that science does not describe all of reality mm-hmm. yet. Um, and it may never, um, and it may never even get to the consciousness. It mm-hmm. may not. Mm-hmm. It may be true that consciousness doesn't exist or that it just appears to exist kind of like a uh, free will. Um, but, I don't understand why this is a problem or why this now opens the door mm. to religious thinking. Like, just because science can't tell us what consciousness is and we have to utilize consciousness, assuming that it's a real thing, we have to utilize consciousness in order to do science. Why is that a problem? Why is that? Yeah, why Perfect. is that a problem? Because let me just say this before we go on whether or not we have a consciousness. We see the benefits, the value, and the advancement science has given us in our world. So whether or not we understand consciousness, we already know and can demonstrate that science functions. It functions at a very high level, and it brings home the bacon. Mm. I mean, we're only able to do what we're doing right now, like having a podcast and all that, because we figured out how to mic people's voices and transmit them over the internet that's all science that's there was no religious thought that got us to that Mm. it had it had to be evidence-based reason and science to Mm. do that so i'm just i'm just curious why why is that a problem what's what's the problem with science not being able to describe all of reality so let me go back to the second thing that i said which is about the worldview right yeah the worldview is a model of the world and a model of the agent in the world such that the agent's actions make sense sure So if we can't point this flashlight at the agent, if we assume that the consciousness is the agent, if the interiority of my myself, my being, how I generate patterns in the world is the agent and science can't look at that, then how can science help me build a worldview which includes my interiority into a worldview? Okay. Does that connection make sense? Kind of. I don't... 
I don't know that I follow you entirely. It sounds like we're getting out of the realm of science and we're getting more into the realm of how ought we behave. Um, I don't know that I would make a hard and fast distinction between science and how ought we behave um, because I think science uh, sheds light on how we ought to behave. But um, I, I'm not sure that I follow you exactly. I, I'm not sure that that makes sense to me in okay. its entirety because... I just don't see how, okay, a lack of understanding of consciousness. It's not that we don't ha- we don't ha- we have a full understanding, I think, of human beings, right? The cladistics, uh, our evolutionary history, in other words. Um, we understand our biology. We, under- we understand our medical limitations. Um, we know, for instance, the difference between a dead person and a live one and what it takes to make a dead person. You know what I mean? Like, we have a very good understanding of how humans interact in the world mm. and how those interactions affect not just the world exterior to humans, but humans themselves. So we have a great understanding of how driving around in cars and burning fossil fuels pollutes our chemis- the chemistry of our air to the point of causing global destruction. We understand that, and we understand how global destruction affects human beings. So I, I don't see a gap. I, I don't see that not understanding consciousness builds in this huge problem of how we ought behave in the world mm. when we have all this other rich science and evidence and reason to draw from. I feel like, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm happy we're going here because I, f- I feel like you brought up three points that I was going to try to make um, oh, good. for me. <laughs> so we are building bridges here. Yeah, we're on the same ground. Okay, so the first thing I would say is about um, the idea of scientific progress with, uh, you know, we're speaking into the mics that science helped yeah. create it, right? Yeah, yeah. Nietzsche sort of traces this evolution of the pursuit of truth. The pursuit of truth the desire to describe the order in the cosmos was a religious pursuit for, I don't know, 1,600, 1,700 years, something like that. Probably uh, longer, yeah. And Probably multi-tens you know, multi of thousands of years. And the... Well, I think for, for long periods of time, like most um, religious studies show that that humans are basically trying to survive and their religions reflect that, right? The world is a harsh place. Sure. And um, so we're trying to survive in it. It is, uh, and, you know, the the sort of religious framings that we get, like let's say a Roman framing of uh, the order of the universe and how the gods and man fit together is sort of that um, man is kind of an accidental byproduct and it's he's the god's plaything. And when the gods decide to trample on you, like, there's not much you can do about it. So the best the best you can do is try to either kind of duck your head and stay out of the way or make some sacrifices to Zeus and hope that he's happy with you and, and, sure. and keeps your or Poseidon and keeps your ship from sinking and so forth. Um, it's it was only, how to explain the world. Let's just call it. I know it wasn't, but how to explain the world 1.0. Okay. Right? Okay. And then it graduated to p- potentially like mm. Judeo-Christianity, which would have been 2.0. And then there's, a, there's a, this gradual elevation of the pursuit of truth until it becomes such a strong pursuit that it begins to branch off from, uh, like it becomes its own thing. I think the one of the things that changed in my, my mindset from a, a scientific perspective to a religious perspective is that from a religious perspective, I begin to look at things as this continuous chain. Mm-hmm. And to 
um, the scientific perspective is to isolate them. And so I can say, well, this is science and this was religion. And religion has now sort of the best parts of religion have become science. But from the perspective that I sit in now, it would be something much more like you, you can't get to science without this religious elevation of the value of truth. Like where we stand in, in modern society, it's clear that pursuing truth has high, has, has excellent results. But mm -hmm. 6,000 years ago, there wouldn't have been any way to, to understand that trying to, like being obsessed with truth, first of all, it wouldn't have, it doesn't yield results immediately, right? It takes a long time for those results to accumulate. And, and secondly, like there's so many other ways to gain uh, dominion over the world that it takes a, a, a long time and a, and a society devoted to supporting this, this search for truth. So I don't see those things as being disconnected. Sure. You're saying that because religion started us off or it was, was pre-science, that it somehow has equal validity or that it somehow... I mean, if you look at, the, if you look at a graph of truth... You know, you've got 7 million years of very, very little progress. And then you've got a few thousand years of, a, a, you know, small upticks as we start farming and, you know, 12,000 years ago and we start domesticating animals and 20,000 years ago we started domesticating dogs. So you've got these little ticks, right, of, of more truth, more mm -hmm. benefit, more well-being for people. And then you see the advent of... Uh, fueled mostly, I would say, by epistemology and the rejection of metaphysics. Instead of just proclaiming this is what is, we actually had to get down to the hard work of figuring out how do you know that? What, how do we know what is? So mm. epistemology was born, and then boom, the scientific explosion. And now what was a flat line, essentially, is now a straight up and down line vertically. And mm. it's through the advent of science that it basically just shot off like a rocket ship. Mm. So I don't mm. understand why, just because religion came before science, how it's somehow just as valid or... or... So Here's what I would say, just, okay. just real Go quick. I would just say, thank you, religion, for giving it a, a stab. Like, thank, I, 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 I understand the mindset. Like, I get what we were trying to accomplish, and I think it's, 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 in, that, it's in that spirit, for lack of a better word, you know, the, the human drive. It's thanks to that that kept us going, kept us looking and, and until we figured it out, mm. until we figured out a way to actually make claims on reality. Mm. And once we did that, once we invented the scientific method and got real strict and, and, and tough on what is evidence and what isn't evidence and what counts and what doesn't count, um, we, ju we just sort of floundered. I just don't understand why is it... Um, so w the, the first point I think I'm trying to make, if I can say it, succinctly is that truth is a religious value. The pursuit of truth in science is an elevation of truth to a high point in the hierarchy of values. And you've made uh, uh, two statements that I want to sort of tie together, or maybe a few statements. One of them is that Science brings home the bacon, right? It gets things done. That's a very, uh, I think Richard Dawkins is a, is a, a sort of well-known proponent of that justification for science, right? Well, you would agree with that, right? That science gets things done? Yeah. Yes. Okay. And uh, then you've gestured towards the idea of progress. And I, I, we don't, like, 
I understand exactly what you mean when you're talking about that. You're talking about vaccines, you're talking about agriculture, you're talking about cancer research. And so you also alluded to, you know, the, the pollution of the atmosphere by, uh, by cars and the, ecolo- the ecological destruction that's going on. Yeah. And I think what, what I think of as uh, this scientific, I think you have two problems. One is that when you talk about this line of progress going straight up, um, you aren't telling the whole story. You're not telling the story of the fact that science and the engineering methods and manufacturing, which science enabled, is also causing many other things, right? But how is it a religious pursuit? How do, how do we have advancements in humanity through electricity and medicine through religious? I mean, if science is to be at fault here and it's not capable of describing all of reality, mm. then... And you're saying the religious mindset or religious thinking is a is a superior alternative. Yeah. Although we haven't gotten into exactly why. Right. I, I'm just yeah. So what, you're trying to take science down, right? You're trying to say, look, I'm right. not going to take these other apologist perspectives. Right. I want to say science cannot do the things it's right. claiming to do, and I'm just not getting where where how that's happening. I'm I'm not seeing so the, the problem. What I'm saying is that I'm standing in the scientific perspective and I'm trying to listen to the story that you're telling me about yeah. the world. Yeah. And I don't see myself in that story. And I also don't see the story as being honest. I don't see it as being self-consistent. So that's when I start to say, well, like what's missing? What What else do I want in order to feel like I do have a picture of myself and uh, to get to the idea of moral progress, a way of being in the world. So so you're not seeing that in science. That's right. And I think that to understand that um, a hierarchy of values, there's no way to have an evidence-based justification for that. You don't need an evidence-based, I shouldn't say you don't need um, what I mean is that science doesn't require an evidence-based justification for its presupposition that truth should be in the, the top tier of the hierarchy of values. You say science brings home the bacon, but the utility of science is not what draws people to science. They may uh, That may be like co-equal, but... Most people who are drawn to science, especially science, um, let's say like popularizers or advocates, are drawn because of the beauty of understanding the natural world. And most people who participate in science love, love is a strong word, but they want to be a part of the process of understanding the natural world, of adding order to the world. And I don't think that there's any evidence that requires that. It seems to be something which is innate there's in, no evidence to require human. what? Sorry. Uh, There's no evidence uh, to require that they love it. That's right. That's right. That they that they get a sense of uh, beauty and wonder and awe from understanding the natural world and participating in in helping making the world a better place by understanding it more. Isn't there testimony the evidence that that's what you're saying? There doesn't need to. There isn't evidence to require that they love their pursuit of science. There isn't any evidence which they they don't start out by saying what is the evidence that i should find the natural world beautiful they just find the natural world beautiful right and so my point is that these hierarchies of values they 
they are religious. There's no evidence for them. I, I know that when you hear the word religious, you hear something different than what I'm trying to say. You hear a lot of, um, well, I shouldn't speak for you. What but I, 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 what I just that, heard was, is that it's the same as religion because there's no evidence for it. Is that what you meant? <laughs> I didn't mean to, I'm not trying to put words in your mouth, but that's what I heard. Is the that same what you as meant? religion would be strong because a religion is like a whole, when you say religion, what you mean is a whole collection of tradition, scripture, um, you know, divine intervention and things like that, right? So no, I'm, I'm just, I think the point you were trying to make is it doesn't have evidence. So it puts it on some sort of equal footing with religion because many elements of religion do, don't have evidence. I wouldn't say equal footing. What I would say is that a religious view of the world in which you have a hierarchy of value a priori is necessary to engage the world for everyone even for scientists, because you have to believe that the pursuit of truth is worthwhile and, and you often have all these other things tied in with it, like your, your, uh, your appreciation of the order and the beauty and the wonder and all that. So, okay, so that's an interesting me, idea. I, I, before, I, before we uh, uh, dissect that a little bit more, I do want to finish this idea Please. of uh, the two problems I think you have with the notion of uh, scientific progress. The one is that you haven't told the whole story, right? You've told, you've taken metrics, which isolate all these positive improvements to the world, um, but you've left out all of these negative externalities, which science has made possible. And I think the worst of those is the possibility of the destruction of all human life on Earth through nuclear annihilation, which was only made possible through science and was never a possibility through religious wars beforehand. But I think that problem is actually small compared to the second problem, which is that, and we haven't gone over your definition of knowledge yet, but in your definition of knowledge, the story of scientific progress is just an anecdote. It's not evidence. It's not knowledge. Okay. I'm what you can talk about is... You I'm not can sure talk I agree with that, but okay. I don't know what... Well, that's, I mean, that, that's where I'm headed, is that you have metrics. You can say, we can now, you know, we've reduced child mortality, blah, 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 right? All these wonderful things, which are now happening because sure. of science. Sure. But the story that that's progress, that's not knowledge. That's a story. It's an anecdote. It's not evidence of anything. No, the evidence is the lowered birth... Mortal, infant mortality rate. But you don't care about that purely as a metric. I, right? I don't. Why, why don't I care about that? I want infants to not die. But that's I want not, them to live. That's not in the metric. The, the metric, metric is, is that... lowered infant mortality rate, mm -hmm. meaning more infants live and less die. That's right. That's all that that means. But, but I want that. that I, li I like that. But that's not in the data. The fact that you want it and like it is external to the data. It's a value that you're bringing to the data. Well, right, but I value humanity and human life and human flourishing. I, I'm a moral person. I'm not a morally insufficient person, or I'm not a morally abnormal person. I'm not a psychopath, for instance. I hope that I can make this point clearly and, and, and directly, but that's exactly my point, is, and I'm glad that you're all those things. Yeah. But those things are not, um, they're not part of the data. They're values that you bring to the data. Right. So okay. this is what I'm saying, that the, the hierarchy of value... Mm -hmm comes before the data, causes you to act in a certain way, and then allows you to tell a story with the data. Sure. But all that hierarchy of value, that's in your consciousness. Sure. So this is why I'm saying that 
it's so important to have a model of the human person and how the human person should act because that determines how we interpret the data. Science gives us the data and then our value system allows us to interpret the data. Okay, so that was part one of our conversation with a theist. Nathan gave us a lot to talk about and think about. Uh, We're going to be publishing part two of this series next week. Uh, And in the interim, after we publish part two, I'm going to take some time to listen to both of these uh, in more detail and try to pull some information from them that we can explore further. I know Nathan has more topics that he wants to discuss with me. I have more topics that I want to discuss with him. And I'm sure that you guys have questions and want elaboration on some things that were said. So please, please respond to these podcasts. Leave comments. Email us. Ask us questions. We want to know what you want to hear. What was it that Nathan said that you want to hear more of? What was it that he said that you'd like to somehow rebut? What would you like me to say to him next time? Please send us your questions. Thank you so much for listening, and have a great rest of your Sunday. Thank you.